Hey everybody, welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. I don't know why I paused there, but I wasn't sure who I was. <laughs> who am I again? I why know. am I here? Who am I? But hey, we are here because we're going to do a little bit of a special different episode. Yes, sir. That's the reason I let a blurb like that through, because we're just having a little bit of fun today of sorts. <laughs> Not as much fun as like end of the year Star Wars talk. No, we'll, right. We'll those have, are special moments. Right, and we'll, have, and we'll have some of that again at the end yeah. of this year. We'll be ready for it. But I wanted to do something a little bit different with the format this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of our usual have a guest or have us like really going into a deep dive about a very specific topic, I thought maybe it would be a chance for us to kind of talk about some smaller topics. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the tech connecting type stuff where we're talking about something that's fascinating to us, but just maybe some stories in the news, mm-hmm. events around the world that are, you know, maybe tangentially related to the world of science and technology, could impact our channel in some way, but maybe not, just stuff that's worth talking about. Basically like a virtual water cooler, if you will. Yes, I like it. Except we actually are here at a table... We don't just have no a water, water cooler. Yeah. You know? like, Where's that daggone water cooler? Exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. those are outlawed now. So. Yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about a few of the, that we've we've traded off some topics, some some discussions that we want to talk about, some uh, interesting things happening in the world. Uh, we're going to do that. We'll do our usual. Well, we won't really have a value to the VAR per se, but there is a little something I'm still going to say about that at the end. And, of course, we will still have a What's Tech connecting with you. So, hey, tune in. This could be a fun one, a little bit different, and uh, we'll see if this is something we might want to do more of in the future. So until then, uh, it is time for us to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. So, I'm going to let you start off here. We both sent some articles back and forth to each other. Uh, you have the first one here that I want us to get into. So, tell us about the story, and let's let's riff a little bit. Well, we'll get into that. Yes, I, I got my story queued up here. But as you were talking, or as we, we kind of kick things off here, I'm thinking to myself, maybe this will be the opportunity for people to give us some feedback, right? Because we've yeah. got some stories here. It's like, hey, we want to hear your opinion. These are our opinions about what's going on and in the world. And if but, you have cool stories, if you right? come across something you'd like to hear us talk about, right. send us that over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, so, I love that. Look at you. We're opening up the feedback That's loop. right. All I, right. So, I expect if there's no feedback after this one i'm just gonna start reaching out to you i don't even know who you are i'll just send random emails to people do you listen to our oh, podcast no. we know who they are we get the ip addresses we know we can drill down we're the big state so uh my first thing that was you know my little tech bite here was instagram for kids so 44 state and territory attorney generals sent a letter to facebook ceo our buddy mark zuckerberg <laughs> and asked him to abandon plans for instagram like platform designed for children younger than 13 years old and i'm behind this effort 100 yeah. percent you know uh, because uh, first off, I didn't know that they were planning on developing something. Right. It's of course it makes sense that they're developing something for right. to get the kids involved even younger uh, and into a social media platform. But um, when you read the letter that they sent, it was really extremely well written, and and it cites a lot of things that are really kind of 
urgent in in today's society when you when you take a look at it and it's a multi-page it's like a six-page document that Mm -hmm. kind of goes into it but but really they you know the use i'll just quote a little bit of it the use of social media can be detrimental to the health and well-being of children who are not equipped to navigate the challenges of having social media account here here i mean most adults aren't equipped to handle it frankly 100 (laughs) percent. i mean we've talked about that i mean there are shows out now i'm 100 percent. i don't think we figured out this social media thing at all as a society it's like it is both awesome and dangerous at the same time yeah yeah but i mean what was curious about is i was uh i was traveling recently and there was a teacher uh in the plane seat next to me and for whatever reason we started talking about it and it's not the first teacher that i've talked to about this but she was like in essence it wasn't around about this instagram but she was her commentary was just social media Mm -hmm. in general and the use of that and how it's her words ruining our kids and she's been teaching for like 20 years so she's right. she's got some history here and some runway of 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 what it was like 20 years ago and what it's compared to now same same kind of kids you know she's right. teaching kids that are um kind of in that uh, i guess it'd be middle school a- age and she's like no you know i don't know why parents allow their kids to dive in deep on all this technology all this screen time all this you know that it's it's having a ruinous effect on on our society then you read things and i know i'm throwing a couple things out at you here but you know and we've harped on this you've got silicon valley execs right so all the people that are driving this mm-hmm. stuff the the, the 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 leaders of these tech firms they don't let their kids use any of these products no. <laughs> it's like they know they, better they know better they're right. limiting time but oh the rest of us can use it so it's like you know what it's reminding me now of john and I, this is going to be a bold statement but it kind of feels like the tobacco companies back in the day Arguing the health that. benefits of smoking. Yep, I understand that. <laughs> you know, it's like, really? Uh, what, what, what do we got going on here? So I, it's just, well, it's one of those things that, man, that's going to come to a head. Here. It is. And to your point there, social media is very addictive. Very. I mean, it's it, intentionally, it's, bu- they build it that way. Right. And it's not in the, you know, it's not in the same addictive sense of tobacco, for instance. Not, we're talking about like a chemical addiction per se, but a biological addiction of sorts, a, you know, a oh, serotonin yeah. type thing, you know, all this stuff in your head that you feel like I have to know what's going on. I got to be connected with people. And and let's be honest, that that is something that very much preys on children in particular. Well, Absolutely. It, it, when I, I when I heard about this story cuz I think I heard about it a couple weeks ago as well, like the first thing that struck me is is it Instagram kind of for kids anyway? I mean, I know like, you know, mm-hmm. a broad swath of people use it like all social medias, but mm-hmm. let's be honest, there are kids on Instagram already anyway. Oh yeah. They're just using the regular, you know, what's I guess supposed to be quote the adult version yeah. that I know is only supposed to be for 13 and under, but there's no policing of that. There's no you know? policing like, of that. You can sneak in it. I mean, exactly. fake, fake uh, date of birth, right. boom, you're in. You have to re- you, know, you're, you have to rely on the parents to, to be the policing part yes. of that thing. Yes. But, you know, we also know like not every parent can do all of that. It's not as easy as you think. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and effort to, to do that. Plus then you've got kids who don't want to miss out you know, the whole part of that experience at that young age and, you know, early teens, you know, is to, you know, to do everything that the same that, that everyone else is in your class. Absolutely. Doing. All the stuff that the peer pressure. you don't want to miss out. If everybody's, yeah. all your friends are on Instagram, you're like, I'm not on Instagram. You get made fun of for that. Then you get on Instagram and you get made fun of for the stuff that you post there. It's having a huge effect, a huge effect uh, from what I don't know what the studies are. But I when when you just you're in casual conversation with people and people that are around kids all day long, like teachers, right. and they're like raising the red flag. Hey, this this is problematic because they see the effects of how, yes, I mean, the peer pressure, which is already bad enough in right. a social environment, but now it's being amplified by that in, in, in children who are 
you know, having it's having a dramatic effect on those cyberbullying yeah. uh, being explosive on yeah. on social medias and that and the dramatic effects that it can have on that studies indicating that, you know, that that kind of that what used to be a schoolyard bully, which, you know, is, is a thing, but it's completely different than cyberbullying yeah. and the effects that it can have on. on well, somebody. I always like to think of it as let's say everybody's had this bad moment when you were in school where you did something stupid that everybody laughed at. Maybe it was you tripped in the lunchroom and all your food fell everywhere or something. And you had like, you know, all the people around you saw it and laughed at it or something. Well, in, you know, in, in that time, that was it. Mm -hmm. You fell, people laughed, you got up, you know, you may have been ashamed. You may have felt bad. You may have been bummed out for the day. People may have teased you about it for a couple weeks or something, but most likely you kind of moved on from it. Now that same thing happens. If someone happens to be recording it when it happens, or was the, perp- the person who perpetrated it or some way, that is going to be living on the internet for a mm-hmm, while. And mm-hmm. that's something that's circulating all over. People are posting it all over. That And if that child is someone who, you know, has some anxiety issues or has some, you know, uh, you know doubts about themselves, whatever it is, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be actual emotional problems, just literally just being alive and a teenager. Mm-hmm. They're gonna. That's gonna be embedded in them. They're gonna constantly be seeing that kind of yep. stuff. It's always gonna be out there. People yep. are always gonna be throwing it back in their face. It lives forever on the internet. Yeah, yeah. And it I think that's what people don't seem to get about this stuff. That you, it's it's not the same as schoolyard. It's board. not. It's not. I mean, because you know, when I think about the schoolyard thing, like what you were talking about, yeah, you lick your wounds, but you also, you know, your circle of friends comes back to you. Right. Uh, there's just, or even in in cases we I've been around in cases where you see a bully and it's like the crowd turns on that person, which is really yeah. difficult to do in social media. But anyway, uh, there was a survey. 42% of young Instagram users have experienced cyberbullying on the platform. That's the highest platform of any or percentage of any platform ever measured. So it's like, right. what, you know, what's going on here? It, it's this whole social media thing. So anyway, I'm glad that at least these, you know, state attorneys generals kind of stepped up to the plate here recently, wrote the letter and say, hey, you know, we not only do we have to get a handle of this, but you can't go down this road. Right, you right. cannot go down this road. It's it's, it's I, I morally are, apprehensible. I hope we are headed for some sort of backlash to all these social media platforms. I feel like we kind of are starting. I to think we there. are. You I, know, definitely, a lot of people are leaving Facebook, for instance. Um, you know, Twitter is it's been its own mess for some time now, uh, and I think and I think most kids don't enjoy most of those platforms. You know, <clears throat> that's probably the reason they were looking at this is they probably started recognizing that. Younger, younger kids probably weren't playing with Instagram. Like the, you know, the younger crowd wasn't there. Right. You weren't probably seeing a lot of teenagers. You know, TikTok is popular now. Right. There's always new platforms that are coming along, and the mm-hmm. old ones have to figure out either how to catch up or shift and become the platform for old people at some point. Absolutely. Which is pretty much kind of what Facebook is. You know, like yeah. I, I would imagine some anybody under the age of thirty probably thinks Facebook is pretty dumb at this point. They might mm-hmm. be there, but they probably think it's pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. So I, I, maybe there's a backlash in the future, and, and stuff like this hopefully is what's kind of going to get us there. I, Again, I don't see the like you know there's a there's a definite a wealth and a and a greatness to what social media can do, but I unfortunately feel like it's now outweighed by all the terrible things it can potentially do. Yeah, right. So. Well, and if we can't regulate it ourselves, then something's going to have to happen right, here. Exactly. And it's and I don't I don't know what the answer is. I don't you know, I think we all see the problems, but but that's one that's like easy. I don't know to a certain degree. I think we're all we can all rally behind the fact that we shouldn't have twelve year olds and younger in 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 an environment where they're just not mentally capable yep. of handling it. 
to your point in the beginning, I don't know the adults have figured it out. So no. what do, why do we think kids would have? I mean, clearly we haven't. We, you know, people fall for random, stupid disinformation all the time on social media. But because yeah. it's on, you know, it's like that. There was a commercial. I don't know. It's been probably about 10 years old now that it was like, don't believe everything you see on the Internet. And there was a young woman who was her date was showing up and like, you know, he didn't look anything like what she saw on the profile. Right. And yeah, yeah. You know, but and yet I still feel like a long time after that, we all still fall for this stuff. Yeah. There are still so many people that just fall for anything like, well, I saw it on the Internet. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, that doesn't be mean true. anything. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. All right. So all right. Next my, tech bite. my first one up here, uh, this was one of those little like LinkedIn kind of lead segments or whatever. You know, every day there's like a kind of a lead story uh-huh. that people are riffing on. So this one I came across earlier this week was, uh, it says, with a great resignation potentially looming as some employees reassess their working lives in the post-pandemic era, employers are preparing to make better offers to workers or to let them go with the knowledge that they that there can be upside. It says, more than a quarter of employees plan to change jobs, according to a recent Prudential survey, as businesses reopen amid COVID-19 vaccinations. They cited more pay, remote work options, flexible schedules, promotional opportunities as reasons to stay. But evaluating employees' impact and potential can help identify cases in which crafting a rival a rival offer makes sense. So this got me thinking because we've kind of talked a little bit about this when I guess when we discussed remote work and just as we've been talking about you know workplaces thriving and surviving during this time mm-hmm. that you know we we saw this coming that coming out of this being able to offer things like remote work, being able to offer flexible pay and flexible work was going to be a huge boon for a lot of businesses and help them, you know, attract new employees. And on the flip side of that, for businesses that wanted to just go back and say, nope, we're done with that. Get back here in the office. It's business as usual. I expect you in a seat from, you know, eight to five every day. And, you know, that's it. No, nothing else is going to change mm-hmm. that they're going to lose out. You mm-hmm. know, it's just, it's, it's, it's not. It's not how things are going to be anymore. It's one of those. We've we've hit one of those those points in the the history of work that you can't go backwards. It, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Right. I mean, it, I think there is clear evidence that those companies that are being that rigid, saying, "Hey, you got to come back. It's eight to five. Get back." You know, and, and of course, we're talking about people in in jobs, roles that. You don't have to be on a line right, somewhere right, exactly. or, or doing something in particular. But uh, but yeah, I, I think that there's there's clearly has been a shift. And the shift was maybe, you know, it was it was like an undercurrent under the mm-hmm. the employment uh, of of people, the, you know, the the need and the desire. And here's a, here's something that I'm a little bit worried about, you know, not, not re- relating to the great resignation, but I am worried about some of the effects that, you know, are going to happen coming out of this that we're already starting to see. And, and here's a, here's what I mean. You know, those those folks that um, I'm just assuming that a lot of companies now are going to embrace some hybrid model. Of right, it. right. So it's not, yeah, you got to be at your desk eight to five right. anymore, but it's not you're working from home every day. Right. You just make up your own hours. You can do whatever you want. And, you know, well, you know, whatever you want. Right, so th- right. so th- if those are the two extremes, most companies, I guess, are going to land somewhere in the middle. Well, well, they did some polling, and, and, and this makes a lot of sense. Those that are leaning towards, you know, the desire and the want to be at home are generally people with kids and generally women uh, yep. want that. So, which is fine, but when you think about that impact, you know, we're, as a society, we've been going through for 40, 50 years, something like that, you know, trying to equal the playing field for women. Right. And now you have this, I'm, I'm worried that, you know, the pandemic won't, 
be a step back for that because because you know the argument is well those that do come into the office you know they're going to be more engaged they're going to be seen by the management they're going to be right. uh, have opportunities to advance above above and beyond those who don't come in so right. so now you're at a disadvantage if you are somebody who stays at home for kids or somebody who has a health issue that you know it's better for you to be at home, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, yeah, it's it's a nicety, but I can see how this is going to compound some issues moving forward that we are already starting to or hadn't fully wrestled. You know right, what I'm right. what I'm saying? Well, so, and, and those things, you know, some of the things you just mentioned were already problems before all oh, of yeah. this too. You know, oh, yeah. like just you know, women in the workplace, for instance, that you know, we know women, you know, are always treated poorly compared to men in the workplace by comparison, anyway. But then, especially so when you think about, yeah, the fact that they tend to be the caregivers of the family, they tend mm-hmm. to be the ones who do most of the work when it comes to to children, for the most part, mm-hmm. and that would always put them at a disadvantage when it came to you know career advancement. When it came to being recognized within the workplace, you know, that attitude of like, oh, your kid's sick and you got to go home. Well, too bad. You know, like you could have been up for a promotion if you just showed up every day and exactly. said the hell with it. You know? Yeah. But yeah. which is all stupid, obviously. But, you know, yeah, there was already disadvantages there. And you're right. I think this exposed more of them because there's a lot of women who were able to balance, you know, the work life thing that unfortunately had to drop out of the workplace entirely mm-hmm. because they had kids at home that they had to spend time with, had to educate, had to keep safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, and I think kind of also to the point of this article, too, and where I was kind of getting at is not just this idea of, you know, what we we're talking about, the whole remote work thing, but in all across broad industries and work styles and, you know, and whatever you do. I think a lot of people took this time to reevaluate their lives and what was and wasn't important. You know, we spent time at home. Maybe you, you know, you were caring for family members. You were worried about your family. Maybe you lost someone during all of this. And maybe just for a lot of folks, just priorities and and what they what they're working for and why kind of changed quite a mm-hmm. bit when you mm-hmm. realize, you know what. Uh, you know, busting my butt for this particular job that I never really liked and doesn't really pay me enough. Why should I go back to that? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is time to go looking for something else instead. Yeah. And I can kind of to their point in some of that article was that, you know, it's uh, then businesses are faced with this. Do we try to retain people? Do we start offering them more? Do we, you know, start offering more money to keep them on board or offering more money to, to try to get people in the door now? But you're right. I think there's a there's a lot more to go on here. We've, mm-hmm. I think we've just started scratching the surface for kind of how work ch- is going to change in this country. And and hopefully it means for the better. Hopefully some hard conversations will happen that will ultimately lead to to better job satisfaction and better employment for a broad swath of people, not just as office workers that, you know, want to be able to mow our lawns on our lunch break every now and then or something. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but what was the article? The article is making the argument that people are going to resign if they don't get the quality of life Right things that that they see that we do deem more important today. Right, right. Exactly. Coming out of this, like pandemic. maybe, yeah, exactly. Like maybe our attitude to what is important in life mm-hmm. changed over the last year, and I see. for the better, you know. And right. realizing, yeah. you know, we've talked about this before. This idea that look, you know, life doesn't have to be about work. Yeah, right. You know, mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. for most people that is not ever going to be the the thing that matters the most to them in life. It was well, yeah, we treat it that way. Sometimes. What was the stat? Twenty five percent or something uh, it's, like yeah, it's that. It's a quarter. Yeah, twenty five percent of employees plan to change jobs according to a recent Prudential survey. I wonder how that compares to like pre pandemic. Was it, was it, was it was it? I don't know. Because yeah, I know you you survey enough people, you could find plenty of people that'll say like, yeah, I'm planning to, or I'm looking, or I'm. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always going to be people that are doing that, but I guess that must be a higher number than. Than before, I feel so. confident in saying that. Yeah, I think people's perspective has changed in the sense that the quality of life issue is is more important, right. and a company's ability to offer 
you know, alternatives for that. Either it's right. some work from home or flexible hours or you define what your core hours are. You know, I've heard that now coming to play uh, where, you know, okay, I'm, I'm definitely going to be on, if you will, quote unquote, or at my desk from right. these hours. Um, then the rest of the hours are flex hours and stuff like that. So I, I think companies are going to have to, number one. Number two, as managers, I think managers are going to have to, and companies are going to have to figure out how to evaluate remote workers Mm -hmm. like they would workers that are there Mm -hmm. you know because and i don't know john i don't know how we get that that's going to be a tougher hurdle i think because we're social creatures we like seeing people and being and and it's just a natural thing that when you're around people and i see what that person's doing and oh yeah let's team up on this project and there's a lot more camaraderie that happens when you're in person than online so if you're going to be a person that's just in an online world, I don't know. See, it's just so fascinating to see how this is going to manifest. Well, and then it becomes itself. incumbent on also to the employer to figure out, is there ways that we can kind of replicate some of that, even though our, you know, a significant portion, if not all of our staff are potentially virtual. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot There's a lot more to unpack here. And, and I, I have a feeling this is a topic we'll find ourselves revisiting at times over the next couple of years as this all kind of starts shaking out. I think so. But, you know, I guess the warning is to those old stodgy companies that yeah. are like, you know, get back in here and you Here's you your just cubicle. Can't do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because uh, I think in that article they were they were citing some of the, the reasons you know what people do like is you know just having an office that they can be in and, and the flexibility mm-hmm. of being able to be with their kids or 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 be able to handle family issues a little bit better. Uh, so anyway, we yeah we've got well you know uh, about. just to give you a, a very brief example. I, you know, I was telling you before we got on the podcast about all the wacky stuff that's been happening in my life of yep. late. And, you know, stuff with my kid getting sick here and there, you know, and, and, and it's it's so much simpler because where I'm at working from home and you know, my son's daycare is much closer to me than it is to where either my wife works or where I would be if I was in the office. So simple for me to just run up and grab him, bring him home, get him, you know, get him set up to, you know, entertain himself or whatever I need to and easily get right back to work. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, in the old days, and again, you know, it's not like we couldn't potentially work from home before, but there was a lot of businesses that were very frowny about that and didn't want to pay you for that or assume that you actually were going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you couldn't, you didn't have that luxury. If you if you had to go pick up your sick kid and take him home, that was it. Your day was done. You were taking time off. You had to use PTO for that. Yeah. Did you put in your half a day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your boss expected you to, you know, to, you know, to not have done any work that day. Oh, in reality, I, I you might drop still a half an hour. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's just, you know. That's the kind of stuff I think people appreciate. I yeah. appreciate it. I'll tell yeah. you that. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, right, it's, it's, so anyway, that's where I'm at. I think that in general, it feels like that has changed. Right. Now. Yes. And there's got to you're going to have to have that flexibility, or there is going to be a great resignation. Yes, from and those then, companies. Yeah. And then those companies will learn because they can't get any workers, or right. the workers that they do have, it's like well, I don't know that they're the best ones to have yeah. around. Yeah. What? Exactly. <laughs> what do we have left? A bunch of yes people that I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. It's bad. All right, so antitrust, I think, is coming down the line yep. here for some of these Another big, hot topic in the world big, of tech. Yeah, these big tech companies. And, and the one that's, you know, rolling around in my mind that i am kind of been keeping an eye on is uh, just this whole battle between Apple uh, and Epic Games, which does uh, Fortnite. Mm. And and actually, I didn't realize, but but you can roll up Google into this, too, and Android, because the, the Google uh, Play Ep- Store and all that. Yeah. Epic's having the same issue with yeah. those folks. And so I think people all know what it's all about here. It's just the fact that uh, Apple is, you know, in their ecosystem, what they call walled garden, you know, you have to, you have to go through their system. And then uh, if you want to do anything that's subscription based or payment or anything like that, all of that runs through Apple. And of course, Epic Games is making the point, the 
the court case that that should not be the case. And right. it's interesting. I didn't know how they went around. They kind of they kind of pissed off Apple, you know, in the way that they did it because they they intentionally like you know abused. Well, not abused is not the right word, but they thwarted found a the system. They, yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah. There's a nice marketing way. They found an, <laughs> a workaround so that people could still buy their V bucks right. and not go through uh, go through Apple, but. You know, I think that some of these big tech companies are are in trouble because, you know, it's it's that antitrust, you know, issue that's coming down the line here where they've got there's a lot of power behind some of these big tech giants right mm-hmm. now. And there's it, it'll be interesting to see, because if you compare it to some of the other antitrust stuff that, you know, going all the way back to Standard Oil and, and, and some of the early uh, antitrust cases, a lot of those things are starting to come to the fruition here mm-hmm. with some of these big tech companies. I mean, so let's look at some of the reasons why they're in trouble. They use their power to crush competition, right? <laughs> I mean, yes, you can see that from like Apple or Google or, right. I mean, they, they use their power to crush competition. One of the earliest things was Microsoft crushing other browsers, you know, yeah. and, and, and not even allowing them to, to be loaded onto, an oper- onto their operating system. Right. I mean, it's just when you have such powerful things, such ubiquitous companies like Apple and the iPhone, which reaches, uh, it's 1.4 billion w- worldwide users now, uh, and, and, you know, half the U.S. smart market alone, smartphone mm-hmm. market alone, that's pretty dominant. Uh, so, you know, but not only is it the hardware, it's the software piece. So everything's got to go through their Apple right. store. So, um, you know, you can't do that. Fair business negotiations are impossible. Right. And that's true. You can't have a fair negotiation with Apple because what, what are you going to do? Because they're Apple. What they're are you going to threaten them with? Exactly. Yeah, well, if you don't do it, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be very mad and I'll frown a lot. <laughs> I'm going to go over here and start my own whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only to be crushed I'm by, I'm going to start you know. Peach Phone, you know. <laughs> this is Peach and this is the X-Phone with my app on it. Nothing yeah. else. That's not going to have a lot of success. No. So, you exactly. got, so they got that issues. You know, examples of them infringing on small co- competitive uh, patents. So I was reading up on one of these. Sonos, uh, speakers that I love, they have five patent inf- infringement cases that oh, they wow. have up against Google right now. And they would love to go against Amazon on the same ones, but they can't afford it. So so you've got these small, and Sonos isn't that small. No, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're pretty, pretty much a brand name. name. Yeah. You know, uh, and they can't they can't go after their patent, uh, you know, because anyway, at the end of the road, they don't have the resources to go after right. the big tech giants. So that's another reason why, you know, these big tech companies, I think, are in trouble in the very near future. Yeah, um, I think there's definitely going to be a breaking point. They're probably within be. the next decade. And I'm not Mr. Regulator. I'm not. No, I don't, I'm not either. I agree. I'm not a huge fan of regulation and where it's going to go. But at some point in time, you know, it's like mm, there's there's some definitely some issues around where big tech is today. I'm sorry, you were saying. No, I mean, you know, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, you know, I I, I understand some point of regulation and. You know, but at the same time, there are times when I'm I'm okay with like, hey, just uh, take the pedal off a little bit and let's see what happens here. But but you're right, we've we've basically come down to three or four giant tech conglomerates that, how I mean, Amazon just bought MGM Studios yep. this week, right? 
You know, they now control one of the largest film studios and film libraries in in, in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's just stuff like that where you, that's what really amazes me is when you start having tech companies that are buying up business avenues that should have nothing to do with it whatsoever and yet find a way to incorporate that into their business and and run with it. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, I'm all for entrepreneurial spirit or whatever, you know, but this, it it gets a little bit too far. And, And this, with this whole like app situation, like I see a little bit of both sides in the sense that I understand that. You know, I appreciate oh, right. I appreciate that Apple is takes control over what's allowed to be found Agreed. and downloaded. Because Agreed. so you don't have some kind of spam or viral apps or whatever that potentially could harm your phone mm-hmm. or steal information or bleed your bank account or something like that. Totally get that. I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but then you get to the other side of it where you're basically telling those companies like, Hey, you're allowed to, you know, use your software and put this app in our in our store and have people do it, but we want thirty percent. Of, of everything that you make out of it. And we will decide exactly what you are and aren't allowed to do with it. It's just, you know, those things and come into conflict. And it has to go through our payment system. Right, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, there's some handcuffs there. There really is. That yeah. makes it less competitive to be able to, to do in the marketplace. So I don't know if it goes through antitrust. I mean, what what does that breakup look like? I don't does, know. Is it the hardware and the OS it, on it one side? Be. And then the baby bells, if you will, are going to be the, yeah. it's an app store that, I, I I don't know. I yeah. don't know what that. Maybe you know you have to vet. You still have to vet it through some whatever, some council or what, some some higher authority <laughs> that blesses what, what's going <laughs> right, to go on right. the Apple product. But but there's more competition there, and and you yep. can use some of these things, other tools that have been vetted by the Apple God or whatever. I, yeah, it's 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 not that it's not complicated, but. We got some issues, you oh, know, yeah. as it re- in regards to fairness, and 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 I think that it's just being manifested by this whole epic uh, Apple thing that's in the courts right now, and, right. and and it's and Epic is being being very intentional with this. I mean, they want this battle. They're right. they're, they're asking for it. They want it. Right. They want right. they want whatever's going to happen here. Hopefully, they're they're hoping that some kind of breakup or some kind of way that they can now be more competitive. Well, in and this you know, world. and they but, have a little bit of the cloud here themselves because they have the most popular gaming app in the world right now. Yeah, you know, at least at the moment, you yeah. know, and have been for a little while now. Mm-hmm. So that gives them a little bit of the power there. But you're right, though; these things can drag out and take so long that by the time they get to the end of it will people even be playing fortnite anymore i mean i guess that's the principle of the thing and if they can win a battle for everybody that's probably good for them whatever their next endeavor is going to end up being but man and then the other part about it is you know and and i guess the the other thing that's uh kind of going against big tech in this and because it's the idea that it comes back to the consumer so the core current court's disposition has been hey look we're looking out for the consumer here so if you if your position is that it's not the best in the long run for the consumer mm-hmm. meaning the consumer you're limiting the choices of a consumer you're kind of whether intentionally or not but you've created this world where it limits consumers abilities behaviors stuff like that then they're going to start ruling against you. And so there, that's where I think, you know, oh boy, something's going to happen here. I don't know if it takes five years, 10 years, hopefully sooner than that, but man, they got some issues out there. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So my next one here, um, this is a fun little article I came across on LinkedIn. Also actually posted it on, uh, on my LinkedIn and, and did some reference points to it. It's, there's an article called how to be funny at work. 
Uh, and it's by these two women who have written, literally written the book on being funny at work, but they've, they've written a book <laughs> all about this concept of, you know, incorporating humor in your day-to-day life and in your work life. And I, it's, I just find it interesting, um, and I don't want to we don't have to get into all of these statistics here, but it was just an interesting article about this idea of, you know, how funny should you be at work? What kind of humor should you have? And I mean, one of the things that really stood out to me is this idea that, like, look, you have to kind of play it by ear at your workplace. Yeah. Some workplaces are, you know, just filled with fun energy and very kinetic and dynamic and are cool with, you know, with some fun jokes and some, you know, goofiness or whatever. Some are going to be a little more stodgy, a little rigid and a little humorless, if you will, you know, Mm -hmm. or a drier style of humor. And you just have to kind of figure it out when you get there. But, you know, it also gets into these depths of, you know, discussing like, you know, what kind of humor is appropriate? You know, are you allowed to curse at your job? Do you, you know, are you someone who should be telling jokes that someone might, you know, not necessarily be offended by, but might be edgier than others? It was just it was just an interesting discussion about, you know, the idea of being funny at work. And as part of it also, it had a, a little quiz you could take that would test your aptitude oh, towards really? humor. Uh, did you take it at all? I did okay, not. Damn, I missed the quiz. So there's four options that it gives you that you can potentially be or be some mixture of. Stand-up, which is bold and irreverent comedy. You're unafraid to ruffle feathers. You know, you don't mind... Uh, who you piss off. Oh, we work. all know the stand-up comedian yeah, exactly. in the office. That's Marco. Uh, but anyway. The sweetheart, which is earnest, understated. They use humor that lightens the mood. Kind of like they, the reference there was like James Corden on the late night show. Uh, okay. Uh, sniper, edgy, sarcastic nuance. They're masters of the unexpected dig. And a magnet, <laughs> expressive, charismatic, and easy to make laugh. And Jimmy Fallon was their example there. Uh, they had Wanda Sykes' as example for stand-up and Michelle Wolf for sniper. So when I took this... I came up almost even percentages heavily weighed on stand-up and sniper as as the two. Gotcha. Uh, which kind of, especially the sniper one, because I am someone who doesn't mind taking a shot, you know, when I need to take it and, you know, like whatever happens, happens kind of thing. Like, I don't feel like I'm necessarily super, like, edgy as far as, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, again, it's one of those things that I, changes by crowd. Like, what, mm-hmm. what kind of humor I use changes depending on who I'm around. Mm-hmm. But, yes, I am a big fan of humor work. I think it is very important to to have some fun in your day whenever you can. There were some statistics there, though, weren't there? there? Are, there, there, there throw us a couple of those. Says, like, um, uh, because people like working leaders, with... Leaders with any sense of humor are seen as 27% more motivating and admired than those who don't joke around. That's pretty completely, impactful. I mean, it makes sense, and I completely agree with it. You yeah. know, and that I think back through various managements and leaders that I've had over mm-hmm. the years, and like, mm-hmm. you know what? The ones I liked the most, the ones I respected the most, the ones I felt like I could go to were the ones that had a sense of humor about them and could be lighthearted at times. I get it. doesn't mean you're literally coming to work in a clown suit and goofing around. No, 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 no. Putting pies in people's faces. Like just, you know, that you have a a lightheartedness to you. Well, because I think in the article it it referenced that. It, Uh it, it, It makes people feel a little bit more human about, you know, because managers specifically or quote unquote leaders of a company, you know, might get wrapped up in, well, here's what we need to do. Here's the optics. Here's the goals. Here are the tactics that we're going right. to use. And there's it's all very, very that tactical. Right. You know, this is this is what we're doing. This is where we're marching. There's no time so, to mess around. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's. Whereas no, we're all human here. Let's have a little bit. You can have, you can be a little light hearted and and have some fun along the way. But I thought that yeah. was really telling. Twenty seven percent. It even noted too that studies even show that something as simple as adding a lighthearted line at the end of a sales pitch, like my final offer is X and I'll throw in my pet frog, can increase customers' willingness to pay by eighteen percent. That was huge. Says a bad dad joke can literally help you get paid, and that's important for our folks that listen here. You know, like if you're out there doing sales or whatever, like it's okay to again throw a little levity in there, even if like 
if the sale's going bad or you're going to lose the business, like for one thing, it tells somebody on the other end, like, look, I don't take this that seriously. Like mm-hmm. it's important to me. Your business is important to me, but I'm not going to hate you if you, you know, don't do what I want. You know, let's, 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 let's joke about it. Let's be a little lighthearted about it. Let me see if there's any. Let, let me review that stat one more time. They'll, they're willing, they'll be willing to pay 18% more. Their willingness to pay. To pay. Rate increases by 18%. Oh, okay. Not so whereas before, more. maybe they, they were like, no, I'm drawing a line yeah. and, and you can't possibly get me above that. That if you. Get them go above that. Still offer them above that, but then also give them you know a little bit of fun and yeah. humor. Yeah, 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 yeah. That they might be loosen up a little bit and be like, all right, but they're fine, more I'll, endeared I'll towards you. Yeah, there exactly. you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. You okay. don't look Got like it. someone who's just trying to reach a bottom line and doesn't right. care about them yeah. at all. So. Are you buying from me yet? Are you buying from yeah. me yet? <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. I think that was thirty uh, percent mentioned that. Um, what it says when a pair of strangers are prompted to laugh together for five minutes before completing a self-disclosure exercise, their interactions were viewed as thirty percent more intimate than duos who conversed without laughing first. This was during like a study of all of this. Damn. So yeah, so basically, uh, bottom line is, you know, laughter is good. It is the best medicine. It's it's important. You know, I I try to I always try to be someone who thinks that nothing is ever too serious that you can't have a little bit of laughter. Right? Right. You can't yeah. find the yeah, 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 yeah. even if it's a little dry wit you throw in for a wry smile and then you move on and get yeah. back to being serious. Right. It's it's okay. Okay, so now now let's go back to where you were at the beginning here. What are the four? What are they advocating? Uh, do they advocate that you? No, they don't. You just s- need to know who right. you are, kind of a thing. It's that is more about like understanding your your sense of humor and other people's sense of humor. Okay, to find out like, hey, is my sense of humor going to fly with this person? Because some people with like, say you have a very dry, wry wit, mm-hmm. and someone who is the like big, bold, loud stand up mm-hmm. might not necessarily get along with one another because they're two types of humor conflict. Got it. Got First, it. Versus, you know, if if someone like is the, you know, the sweetheart type that it's very understated, it's earnest, it's, you know, always good, clean, fun humor. Maybe they don't like the sniper person as much because their humor tends to be a little more, you know, like a, a, aggressive and, mm-hmm. you know, and tactical mm-hmm. rather than just, you know, like, you know, hey, old ch- buddy, old chum kind of stuff, you know. so <laughs> Which maybe gets to another point that you've been going. I think I've seen you uh, posting some of this on social is know the room. Yes, you know you yes. got to know how to read a room. Yes. that's it, right? You do uh, just like just like a stand-up does, an actual stand-up comedian. Read the room. They they know what their audience is feeling. They get they 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 start picking up very quickly like what's working, what's not, and they'll pivot maybe based on that. Right. Or sometimes you just go with it anyway. Sometimes you're like, this room isn't really for me. They're not going to get my jokes, but I'm going to have fun with myself today. So. It, it doesn't cost me anything or hurt anything if I just keep having fun and I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Yeah, well. It I may mean, be one person. There may be literally one person in the entire room that you know thinks you're hilarious. And maybe you're just playing to that audience of one right then. That's okay. And that's okay sometimes. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, as long as it doesn't like cost you your job or anything, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> Like, again, I wouldn't throw a pie in the CEO's face just because that one person's going to laugh at it. <laughs> and you both get fired. Yeah. No, no, don't don't show up in the clown outfit. I love how I throw like pie in the face if that's actually funny. It's not. It's dumb. Come on. Oh man. But the bottom line is, and I do agree with this, you know, it's okay to have some humor at work. It and, is. And, Very much and so. if you're trying to work in, if you're working in a team, team environment, trying to get the team more involved, humor's good. Yeah. yeah humor's the best medicine. I mean, it's, it's it, when, when tactful and tasteful and all those good things. Agreed. Uh, definitely, definitely a good well, way to motivate Let's get people. our last two in here before Marcus 
starts yelling at us that we're running out of time. Oh, Marco, whatever. <laughs> so, so you know, I've been kind of wrapped up in this whole cryptocurrency thing. And you don't actually own any, do you? Not a single dime. Okay, I'm, so, I'm okay with that. That's that's good. No, because you know, I'm I'm, I'm worried, and so you, you keep reading about now China bans financial institutions from providing crypto that's services. Big. That is pretty big. So, uh, and and of course, Bitcoin tanked thirty percent. So then you have things like Dogecoin. I don't even know if I'm Which pronouncing is, it correctly. At, you are, exists at the whim of Elon Musk, apparently. Yes, and it was a total joke. Yeah. It was a total joke. That's and then, why this whole thing is a joke. Yes. <laughs> so, but what I don't think people are grasping here, I mean, you know, so me being, I don't know if I'm a nerd or whatever, I, I, I take a step back and say, do people understand what's going on here? I mean, the currency. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about currency, what makes currency valuable, right? So currency is usable. One of the, if you go look it up on invest, uh, investopedia or whatever. Investopedia, whatever. Thank you, investopedia. Uh, you know, you'll see that currency is usable if it has a store of value, right. meaning if it can be reliable, reliably counted on to maintain its relative value over time without depreciating. None okay. of that sounds like anything that cryptocurrency None is. None of right it. Now. None, None of, of it. it. Because in that same article, they're saying what what is the current worth of cryptocurrencies? It's only built on speculation. So when have you ever invested in anything that had the word speculative uh, attached to it that was a good thing? Right. So all of this is just, it's a complete boondoggle right now in it the is. sense that it's just speculative people. It's a bunch of, uh, um, I don't know, uh, you know, a snake oil salesman in there <laughs> saying, hey, you know, why don't you buy this? Oh, because you just bought it. Now it has value to it. Right. And it's. It is, but here's the other part to me. It's dangerous, right? It it's dangerous. People, bringing... people are losing their wealth. They're losing their houses. They're, people are losing a lot. I'm not, I don't mean to be harsh here. I don't care about those people. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're going to get into speculative behavior and you're going to put your whole you. house, it's, it's gambling. On, dude, it's all on you, bro. It's, that is all on yeah. you. But here, here's my angle. There's danger in bringing speculative behavior to currency because currency is a fundamental part of the economy. Yeah. And when you start hearing people talk about, well, cryptocurrency should overtake the U.S. dollar or the, the fiat that's out there right now. No, no warning. You do not want that to happen. I mean, I cannot imagine a world. I don't want to be I don't know that I want to be in a world where a where Bitcoin is the official uh, currency of the globe. I right, mean, it's just, right. it's no, it's, it's purely speculative. And, and yes, I know the U S economy or our dollar went off the gold standard back in the, whatever the seventies created an uproar. I understand it, but still the U S dollar is backed by the U S government, which currently the U S economy is the number one economy in the globe. It, it's got, there's a whole kinds of reasons why there's store right. of value in the U S dollar, right? right? There is, that yep. <laughs> you can't it, it's there it, you know you a dollar is going to retain its value it's not it doesn't depreciate uh i think you know the u.s is a force of good in the world it's not like we're out there anyway blah 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 cryptocurrency i'm not there well look you know so what are we doing the with reason we created currency to begin with was because it was difficult to set values on the stuff that we were trading around yes like, right my my yeah. you know pack of beaver pelts is worth Six ears of corn, but is it? But, but I only have these bags of mushrooms right, over yeah, here. Right, yeah, exactly. All right, well, it's worth 12 bags of your mushrooms. <laughs> right. Like, it, got, it just got too complicated. Eventually, yes. it, we had to standardize it in some way so that now, you know, 
six ears of corn and a bag of mushrooms cost twelve dollars, and your fourteen well, pelts we cost went twenty. To, you know? We went like, to metals, right? So well, they right, started, exactly. you know, there had to be something gold, right? A scarce, so a scarcity is important, and right. I get that. I totally understand the concept of scarcity. There's only so much gold in the world that we mined, and so yes, there's store value in the gold. Right. And I'll trade you this five ounces of gold for your what? What do you right. got again? Goats, uh, pelts, pelts, okay. pelts. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> Those, so those coonskin caps you want to make. Yeah, there we go. We're trading in there. So, <laughs> you know, I, I get where, where we where we've come to, but I'm telling you, I it's just the speculative nature of this of this cryptocurrency and the, just the craziness. I think people have fundamentally have forgotten. They're just they're not reading Financial Times. They don't understand. I guess what we've built our world on right. when it relates to this. Well, I mean, and it also it we we had a what's tech connecting with you a few weeks back where both of us have talked about NFTs. Yes. It to me this exists in the same I mean and obviously like NFTs are being paid for with cryptocurrency so it makes sense <laughs> that it's the pl it's playground for rich people who have is. money to throw away and money to lose. But the problem becomes that this has become something where not rich people have started to think, yes. oh, I can do this too yes, and make right. millions of dollars off and become one of them, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, no, because it's not it's not that simple. Can it happen? Yes. Is it likely to happen? No. You are just as likely to fall flat on your face and lose everything that you have. And so it's a pyramid scheme. It very it, much is. In that regard. I mean, you're, if you're in the scheme right now, you are hoping somebody below you is faked into buying your currency at the right. value that you think it is or whatever right. your computer is telling you Whoever that it's worth right somebody somewhere has said it at, yeah. Right, and it's this continuous pyramid scandal. Yeah. And it's, it is, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? You know, we were talking about the beginning of the show, like we wanted feedback, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling this could be the one, the first topic <laughs> that makes our, that like just lights up our inbox for some reason. People are like, you idiots, you don't yeah. understand about cryptocurrency. And that's fine. Explain it to me. But, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm happy to be what I'm on this one. There you go. What I'm throwing on the table is I'm just worried about it. I understand the speculative nature behind it. It's, 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 it's I don't know. It's, it's got a lot of cancer as far as what it could fundamentally do to, to our economy and the use of, of currency in the economy. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah I don't I like agree. where it's going. But anyway, yeah, All right. there's their <laughs> cryptocurrency out there. So what you got? What's so your... my, our last oh, one here. Oh, love this one. This one is, this is one that <laughs> I've, I've been on a tear about for quite some time. Because I originally saw this article many years ago. I may have written a blog post about it on LinkedIn about it. I don't remember. But I, I remember just making me angry. And it's this idea, like the article I remember seeing once upon a time was, the laziest states in America ranked. So I, I was like, well, this is interesting. One of those like clickbaity type things. I'm like, sure, I'll check. It. Actually, I think it was like promoted on LinkedIn that day or something. So I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll check this out. So I got into the article. And what's, what reminded me of it is I saw an article again recently that was doing a similar thing, except it said the hardest working states in America. Mm -hmm. And it turned out both of them were relying on very much the same kind of data. Okay. It, it, but the thing is, it, very, it almost always gets reframed. If you go out and search for the articles related to it, it almost always gets reframed as the laziest states in America. And my problem with that is... You know, because you, you've got to wonder, like, what's the measurement system? Well, the measurement system is typically based on how many average hours per week that people work, mm -hmm. how much PTO time that they use or don't use during the year, mm -hmm. uh, how much their work-life balance, you know, is or, or what they value, you know, if they value their life, you know, their regular life more than their work, mm -hmm. um, you know, how much unpaid overtime occurs in a particular state. So mm -hmm. they're basically saying... The laziest state, which I don't even remember which one it was, they ended up at the top of the list. I think it, was, I think it may have been Alaska, actually, um, or at least that old list. The laziest state would be the state then where people don't overwork themselves, 
use all of their vacation PTO time and value their their personal life more than their work life. <laughs> that was considered as lazy. And I hate that framing. This is something <laughs> I have been railing against for so long. It is something I find so obnoxious. We've talked about this, you know, before. I, we, I think we referenced it already a little bit earlier when we were talking about, you know, the the Great Resignation and all that. Is this idea that you, you know, you don't work to live; you live to work. That we all just, you know, and it's and it is a very uniquely American thing. I mean, there's other countries to do this too, but it's definitely something here in America where we we put this this odd sense of what you do at such a high pedestal. Mm-hmm. Like I think about like, if you go to a party and you're meeting somebody new, one mm-hmm. of the first questions out of each of those mouths is what do you do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what Still that happens. And what that means is what do you do for work? Yeah. Not, I don't, I'm not interested in your hobbies or what interests you right. or what motivates you, yes. or what compels you to well, get through You know what? Life. I think I'm going to start answering that question is what is my favorite hobby? But you go should. Ahead. I yeah, mean, yeah. we should, that's just it. But we, we act as if that is the most important thing to know about a person. You know, as soon as we talk to them, when we talk to children, we're teaching children. How but I, but I don't think that's going to go away. Them. I don't mean to sidebar, but I don't it's think it's going to go away because you're looking for a, a point of contact. I, right, and I, I get you, that. How can I connect with this person? I get if that, at all. but it, you know, it's still again, it's you know, it's something we 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 embed a little too much into our culture. Yeah, 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 into yeah, how yeah. we talk to children and say, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" You know, three year olds. What do you want to be when you grow up? I, they don't. They don't know what they're going to be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> what are you asking him a stupid question like that for? Come on. Well, and then I also, but then it makes me think, you know, too, like when I start thinking about the lazy thing, and I think about, all right, you know, imagine, you know, we, we again, we referred to this earlier. You are a mother of two children mm-hmm. and you are juggling between trying to have a career or trying to take care of your family. Mm-hmm. You you are trying to work a job that pays you too little, doesn't even cover the high cost of, of child care. Mm-hmm. You know, your your medical coverage is crap or you don't even get any at all from your employer or something. You can't tell me that person's lazy because rather than have to, to juggle all of that, they decided to stay home and take care of their kids instead. And that's part of sometimes the equation there, too, is how many people have someone who's not working and is in the home. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Someone who's in the home and not working may have a very, very valid reason for doing so. It doesn't mean they're lazy. Yeah. You sure as hell go try to talk to that mother of two and tell her she's lazy Yeah. and that her husband's the one who's the hardworking one in the family. <laughs> you'll get a, you'll get a swift surprise there, I'm sure. So, well, I think that that's has my changed. That, that has changed a little bit, obviously coming out of this pandemic because we kind of, you know, I, I think that people's perspective on, on right. that is a little bit. But God, gotta love those clickbait articles. Oh, I just that that framing just annoys me. Like. And, and and here's maybe another thing. Maybe we have too much data at this point in time. When we're when we're That's true. developing stories that and I because I looked at the data, the difference between you know the the states that had the highest you know is it's it was like the states that have because to your point, one of the one of the uh, measurements was how many work hours, or right. how many hours a week did, did the average person work, right. and the difference between the most and the least was like point something or well, no, maybe I think like it was like hours. three hours yeah. a week. You know, is the difference between forty point eight and thirty eight point two or right. something like that? And so, oh, we're talking two hours as a if, week as if that, working thirty eight point two makes you just such an infinite slacker. Like how dare you're you lazy. not work? Yeah, that yeah. Two, so extra it's a sensational storyline or. or title uh, to it but it's like you know contextually yeah yep. just it's maddening right? i completely agree uh, because it, because it's it's not 
Reframe that story, people. Like it's it may, honestly, whoever's at the top, that should be the happiest states in the country. Well, and of course, me, I, I go, I jump in. And it's like I live in Ohio. What, what? How lazy are we? Well, we're the sixth laziest, apparently, in, in that. And I'm like, what? Hey, just remember that we're on vacation in a couple weeks. Remember how lazy we're being because we're actually taking our vacations. Yeah. Never mind that we get to recharge and refuel and come back to work. And you know, like, yeah, we're just so lazy because we're taking time off. <laughs> Marco doesn't get time off, though. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's tipping the scales in the other direction for us. So. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. This... Oh, wait a minute. He lives in Ohio. Damn. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You're well, bringing down the average, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this has been fun. I did enjoy this. <laughs> I, you know, we talked about this before we went on live, uh, went on, you know, to record here. Uh, I want this to be a recurring thing. I All think, right. Um, Let's make it so that every now and then we come back, and maybe not a full episode like this, but we do maybe a little short Tech Bites, if you will. Yep, yep. Uh, the name I just made up on the fly. I haven't thought about it for 12 hours at all. But here's the challenge. Okay, audience, you got to give us some Tech Bites. Yes. What, what, we, what should we be riffing on? What, what, what's on your mind, too? Exactly. And you know how you do that? Well, you got to reach out to us. There you, you go. You can find us on Twitter, at TechConnectPod. You can email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. Let us know what kind of tips and tricks and cool things that you want us to to talk about what kind of news that you know is, is caught your eye that you want to hear us riff about and get mad at us over. <laughs> All right. Well, normally we wrap things up here with value to the VAR, what's yep. tech connecting with you. Yep. Now, the value of the VAR piece, obviously, this, this hasn't been all about something for our VARs, but mm -hmm. I do think it's very important for people, especially when you're in sales, to keep up with what's happening in the news. Even if it's not something that directly impacts you or your customers, it's just good to have this kind of talking points because it mm -hmm. makes it makes for great relationship building with your customers. Yep. You know, we were just talking earlier about the whole idea you meet someone at a party and you have stuff to chat about. This is the kind of stuff that like while you are in the middle of a negotiation or a discussion or you're just, you know, starting to work with somebody, maybe you throw out one of these little tidbits here and there, maybe email somebody an article that you haven't heard from in a couple of weeks that, hey, you know, this this sounds like something we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Thought you might be interested in reading this. That's stuff I think is very invaluable to building relationships. So Agree 100%. Not only on the sales side, though. I mean, I, I wish that other customer service reps, other people within organizations felt free enough to have have little, you know, jaunts like that right, where they right. were just little conversations. If anybody who's customer facing, uh, it, it builds rapport. It, it, it endears a customer to your uh, to your company. It's good. Good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Exactly. And you all need to work on how to be funny at work. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Send us some of your best dad jokes, too, that we can use. We'll, we'll throw I some of those out jokes. on there. Love dad yeah. jokes. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, All yeah. right. Well, then let's wrap up with what's tech connecting with you. Dean, what do you got this week? Uh, this one's going to be hard for me to get through without laughing. Oh, God. But, but I read the, the title. I'm going to get through it here. And I just, I don't know. I was like, what? All right. So here's, here's the title. Mammals can breathe through anus in emergencies. I'm just going to let that sit me. here for a second. So rodents, We're mammals. Right? Rodents and pigs share with certain aquatic uh, organisms uh. the ability to use their intestines for respiration. Did you know that? You could, if you needed to, apparently, if you need to breathe, you don't actually just have to breathe through your mouth <laughs> and your nose. I thought that was quite oh. fascinating that you could actually get oxygen into your body through intestines, your intestines for respiration. You could live <laughs> just a little bit longer if you could figure out how to do that technique. I think you, if there's a, like a, if there's a way to win tech connecting with you, Thank you. I think you just did. <laughs> In the world of science, that's a pretty fascinating little story there. I, I, I it was it was a showstopper for me. I'm like, what what I, is this? I really hope Marco doesn't have some kind of interesting graphic to throw up for that <laughs> part of the video feed. If 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 he does, I apologize. 
be our well, first video to get banned from YouTube. Maybe the other part of the commentary is, I mean, science is looking at everything, I guess, at this point. That's true. Right? That's I mean, we've point. got too much science, too many scientists out there trying to figure everything out, and there you go. Hey, what do you do? Oh, well, I, uh... <laughs> I've been looking into how uh, mammals can breathe out of their butts. <laughs> yes. Now yeah. don't you wish you don't ask that question at parties anymore? <laughs> and it was a funded, uh, government-funded whatever initiative. Yeah. Your yeah. taxpayer dollars yeah, went into it. Exactly. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so All let's right. start connecting with you. I Mine is fairly short and simple. RIP Internet Explorer. Yes, which it is died. being it's... sunsetted, I think. I don't think it's officially over yet, but I think it's it's being shut off soon by uh by uh microsoft is it this year or next year <clears throat> i want to say it's next year i yeah. believe like any any new versions of their os going forward it will not work with and they're going to stop supporting it and everything entirely which you know again it's one of those platforms i haven't barely used in you know, every once in a great while like for some reason something would only work on explorer and not on chrome or firefox or whatever yeah but it's been a long time and you know, but but let's be honest. We all, most of us, cut our teeth on Internet Explorer. Oh, the first 100%. major browser that we used for a very long time. Yeah. In fact, when I saw some of the stories on it, you see that little you know screen cap of the old interface, yep. and it's like, yep. man, it's like going home. It's it like, is. oh my gosh, look at that. We yep. know, and yeah, it's been a decade since I've probably used Internet Explorer, but. I don't know. That is a commentary there. That you know, there's there's one of those things that's just off into the sunset. An iconic part of tech history. A very right iconic part of it. On its way out the window. Yeah. So yeah. You know, so, so long. Sad. You know, maybe Marco, maybe play some taps over this part. You know, so if that's <laughs> if that's allowed, I don't know. All right. Hey, that does it for us. Uh, again, we want to do more of this in the future. Please let us know about topics you'd like for us to riff on send us cool articles maybe not stuff about mammal butt breathing I well mean, right yeah no no not we, that i think we can go a little bit higher brow than that <laughs> so so thank you so much for joining us as always for dean reverman i'm john martin until next time stay connected built with versatility in mind elo edge connect offers a wide assortment of peripheral options for your digital display whether for endless aisle, self-order, or collaboration, you can seamlessly attach up to four peripherals to the touchscreen edge with flexibility to add, remove, or change later as needed. Options include barcode scanners, EMV cradle, customer-facing display, webcam, and more. To learn more, visit ELO's microsite on bluestarinc.com or contact your Bluestar account manager. Pharmaceuticals, biologic, and food products require strict control of environmental parameters, temperature range, humidity level, light exposure, and more not only to satisfy compliance, but also to protect product effectiveness and end user safety. Introducing a new product line from Zebra Technologies, electronic temperature sensors. With Zebra's temperature monitoring and sensing devices, your customers can ensure the integrity and cost effectiveness of their temperature sensitive products during storage, shipping, and handling. Their devices monitor environmental exposures critical to maintaining the quality of your customers' products in biotech, blood banks, emergency medical service, other healthcare organizations, as well as food distribution and delivery. To learn more about this exciting new field-tested product line, check out the link in the show notes to find plenty of helpful resources and application briefs. 